I see there are a couple of people that are here for the very first time, and this whole front row here looks very, very new, and you, you may be asking yourself, or well, you've never been to a church where people scream and jump and dance like this. So if you go and listen to the people who do scream and dance and jump and hear their testimony, you'll understand why they scream and dance and jump. So God is good. Right. So last week, Pastor Chip did an amazing job and he spoke to us about crossing the Jordan and coming to the Jordan and carrying the presence of God. And you're going to have to put your foot in the water before the water is going to be split and dried up. So it was, it was amazing. But there's one thing that I want to look much deeper in today at what Pastor Chip was saying last week and at one stage. And he mentioned it this morning as well. He was saying that um, your, your mind, your spirit, the Bible says, as he is talking about Jesus, so are we in this world. Meaning right now, right now. This time, this place, as he is, so are we. That's talking about our regenerated, reborn spirit. Your spirit is not having a little Holy Ghost and Jesus had a big Holy Ghost. Your spirit now is just like Jesus. As he is, so are we in this world. And anything that does not line up with that just means your soul needs renewing in that area. That's all it's saying. And that is what God has been just dealing with me for the last two years is just renewing of the mind, the soulish realm. How to renew the mind, what to do. And we've done sermon series and we've done a whole year on that. But today we're just going to look a little bit deeper And take even scriptures if we get there about what Pastor Chip was talking about last week. So, James, the brother of Jesus, half-brother of Jesus, he says, do not be double-minded. Because don't let a double-minded man think that he will receive anything from the Lord. What does it mean to be double-minded? Just literally, to have two minds. And if we have two minds, in other words, if there's God's way of doing things, and then we allow or think or behave like there's another way, that means it's double. There are two ways. And if you are double-minded, then don't expect anything from God, because God's ways, the ways of the Lord, are completely different to the ways of the world. And because we've been born in Adam and trained by the world, our neurological pathways, our mind wants to do things the way the world does things. But when we can make up our minds... That there is only one way, and that is God's way. There is no other way. When your mind can get to that place and start acting on that revelation, now there's no place for being double-minded. And now you can receive everything that God has. But too many times we have two minds about what is right, what is wrong. Somebody does something to you, your flesh says, okay, get them back or explain to them or make yourself known. And the ways of the word says, just die to self, turn the other cheek. And when we have two ways of reacting with this situation, now we double-minded and we don't know what to do. 
But if we have the mind of Christ, which we do have, when you became reborn, you received the mind of Christ. Because the Bible says in 1 Corinthians, He has become your wisdom and you have the mind of Christ. Now when circumstances come and you act on the mind of Christ, there's no double-mindedness. And now you can receive everything that God has for you. So your spirit is just like Jesus. Your mind is not. And your mind needs to be renewed so that it can walk in the ways of the spirit so that there's no double-mindedness. You act and you walk and you think and you speak and you talk just like Jesus so that you can get the results that Jesus got. So therefore... Romans 12 to renew the mind, renew the mind, renew the mind, so that you can prove the perfect will of God. Because your spirit doesn't need renewing. It is like Jesus' spirit right now, right here in this world. If you get that, that will cause you to look at your mind. So, we're going to look a bit at that today. Um, Do we look around and see people who seem angry? Do you see angry people around you? Don't look at your neighbor, just people around you. Are Are there angry people around you? People to be or who are enraged. Do you find people around you to appear troubled? Do we find people around us who appear perplexed? Do we find people to be sad looking all around us, all the time? Now I'm going to read this verse to you, and all of these words are an explanation of one word in this verse, Proverbs 19, verse 3. If you guys can put that on there. As you know now, these bulletins we have to send in on Tuesday or Wednesday already, what we're going to be saying on Sunday so that they can print the bulletin for you. And I had my notes and all my verses ready. And this morning, 5 o'clock, as I sat down in my quiet place, my meditation chair, as soon as I sat down, three parts of Scripture flashed through my mind. And I was like, Holy Spirit, please, no, not, not again. But I I realize at this stage that's a rhetorical question because he just does not care what he does at 5 o'clock on a Sunday morning. I've still got to train. I've got to do my cardio. I've got to, is this really happening right now? And he didn't say anything. So, yes, it was really happening right now. (laughs) So there is just so much here today. We'll see how far we get. But Proverbs 19, verse 3. The foolishness. Of a man twists his way and his heart frets against the Lord. The foolishness of man twists his way. And then when he twists his way, his heart frets against the Lord. Frets is in the Strong's Concordant H2196 Za'af which means to feel or express worry, to be discontent. I'm talking about people around you. Do you find people who are discontent with life, their jobs, their families, their whole situation, just not happy? 
to be sad, to be with wrath, be vexed, be enraged, to be out of humor. That's all. That word fret, that's what that means. So if you've been in this church for any amount of time, you've heard 1 Corinthians 12, 18 over and over again. I've spoken on that, that there is a certain path. You belong in the body in a certain place. You have a specific call and destiny on your life. That's Ephesians 2 verse 10. There is a way that God has placed for you. Before Adam and Eve were in the Garden of Eden, your way was already set aside and consecrated by God. And now when you arrive here, and Jesus says to the disciples at one stage, to the people he talks, and he says, you can do no thing without me. In other words, you think that you can do this or choose this or choose this, but you can't because your way has already been established. And now when you twist your way, in other words, wow, God told me to walk this way. But you know what? There's not a lot of money in this. There's more money over here. I think I'm going to... There's not a lot of safety. That's a dangerous place to go over. I'll rather go here. I know people who have tried this before and it didn't work for them. So why is it going to work for me? So I'll rather go over. No one has ever done this before. How can God trust me to do? I can't. There's no ways that I. Why would he? I'm. And what are we doing? Twisting our way. And what happens now when we get off the path that God has for us. There goes your peace. There goes your prosperity. Basically, there goes your grace. In the sense of God's always trying to, he's always to ma uh, making all grace abound. Or he's trying to get the grace to you. But you see, if you call to be an ear in the body of Christ, and you're trying to be an eye, there's no grace for you to see because your grace is poured out when you listen and you hear like an ear does. And you know when an ear hears, it's very easy. That's what an ear does. An ear listens. An ear hears. Not difficult. But when you're an ear and you try to look and try and see, now you fret. What does it mean to fret? To be angry, to be enraged, to appear perplexed, to appear troubled, to be sad looking against the Lord. Because we pray, why is this not working? You say I'm the head and not the tail. You say in God's, whoa, 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 wait, wait, wait a minute. When you... In your foolishness, in other words, you think you know the path better than me. I am the creator. I am the clay maker. I'm the one who puts the clay on the table and I form and make. And when you, the potter, says to the pot man who makes the pot, what are you doing? 
man, there's something wrong there because now you're twisting your way and now your heart will fret against the Lord and he has nothing to do with that. Because we grow up, a lot of stuff I'm saying today is not new, where parents say and we watch movies and and, uh, motivational speakers, you can be anything you want. You can do anything you want to do. No, you can't. Not if you're a Christian. You can't. And if there's two minds about what you can do and what you were called to do and what you were purposed to do, now there's double-mindedness and you can't receive from God because you're twisting your way. And all the time we hear people, man, I just... I don't know what to do. I don't know. How much time? This is my question. If you want to lose weight, if you want to have a six-pack, if you want to know your call, if you want to be a good father, if you want to, how bad do you want it? Because I hear people saying, 1 Corinthians 12, 18, For as it pleased God, He has placed every one of us in the body according to His pleasure. So my question is, what is your purpose What part of the body are you? Where are you placed in the body? What is your role and function and purpose in the body? Well, I don't know. But life is just not working because I can't get the peace. I can't get the job. I can't get this. I can't get that. Okay, are you doing what God has told you to do? Well, I don't know what God wants me to do. Okay, how bad do you want to know what body part you are? Are you spending more time in the secret place finding out who he says you are? Or is it more time doing anything else other than finding out what your purpose is in life? Because it's one thing saying it's not working and I want to know, but it's another thing getting down on your knees in the secret place, asking and finding out and not leaving there till you know. And there's too much double-mindedness. There's too much acting out of the mind of us, the flesh, rather than the mind of Christ. And now people are perplexed. And we don't know why it's working in the economy. And we've tried this and we've done that. And it's like we've twisted our ways. And now our hearts fret against God. So you can't be anything you like. You can't be anything you want to be. You can only be what God has destined and gifted and preordained for you to be, for life to work well and your heart not to fret. You can do anything you want and go out there and just choose any job because it looks good, it pays nice, whatever the benefits are, and then not have the peace of God. It's your and my choice. But let us not walk in a call or a destiny that God has not designed for us and say, well, Why is this not working? Where is God? And that's what's happening too much is we need our mind renewed to have one single mind. And that is what the word says is true. And that is what we will do. So if you have to spend hours and hours finding out what the will of God for your life is, I promise you it's much better spending those hours than going throughout life not knowing and life sucking. It's just as simple as that. So take the time, hear from him, spend time with him, be with him. 
and he will let you know because he made you. And it doesn't matter what you've done, what your past looks like. That Ephesians 3 verse 20 path, greater and better. Ephesians 2 verse 10, that's preordained. That never changes. It doesn't matter what mistakes you make. He's not going to come and say, oh, well, I never knew you were going to act like a, like a fool and do that. So now I've got to change the path. No, the path never changes. Never. So we have to find what he says we are. And then we can do that. Proverbs 22, 6. Proverbs 22, 6. Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. So we get that like train him, take him to church, let him see all this, let him see all that. But train up the child in the way. What is his way? When you're a parent, Lord, what is his gifts? What is her talent? What is my child called to do? Train them up in that. Because now when they grow up and they're walking in their grace... Life is going to work. Therefore, you pray and you find out and you seek and you train them up in the way they should go. In other words, what part of the body is your child? Are they an eye? Are they an ear? Are they a preacher? Are they a worship leader? Are they a second car salesman? Are they a doctor? Are they a lawyer? In this kingdom, where do they fit and train them up in the way that they should go, their call, their destiny. Don't allow them to become foolish and twisted and, wow, I want to do this and that looks so nice. Well, wait, remember this. God has placed certain gifts, certain talents for you to do. We're going to go in that way because when we do that, grace and abundance of grace is going to mark every step of the way that we take. But a lot of people are out of their grace, out of their call, and life is hard and it's not working right because they weren't trained up. We see it lots of times where, where, where parents, many, many times, I, I hear all the time, I mean, it's a st statistic. What is a statistic where kids go to university and they just walk away from God? Huge, huge, huge. Because many, many times what happens in the house, the parents talk Jesus to the kids, but the parents don't show Jesus and be Jesus to the kids. It's one thing about hearing, 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 but when you hear and you see and all the actions go together with the words, now when they go to university and some liberal uh, professor whatever says God doesn't exist, then you can say, oh, but then, wow, how did that healing in my house take place? If you say God doesn't exist, I saw that... It wasn't just told me, believe God, believe God, go to church, read your word, do do. No, I saw God manifest in my house. So I am single-minded upon the fact and the truth that he is real. So there's no double-mindedness here. When you come and say God is not real and God is dead, God doesn't exist, because I have seen him through my mom and dad at home. And because a lot of parents didn't live that out in front of the kids, now when another way comes, yeah, you know, and I was told, 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 but I never saw, 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 saw. So maybe this way is right. Let me go and look over here. And now double-mindedness could be a possibility in that child. And it's a huge statistic. 
where kids go to university and they were in a youth group and they were leaders in church and this and that and now university after one semester come home, I don't believe in God. They've twisted their way and now life is not working. We need one mind and that's what God says we are. So what Pastor Chip was talking about last week, Deuteronomy 6 verses 1 to 11. I want to, I want to look at this if we can read through this very, very quickly. Okay, bear with me here. Now, this is a commandment, and these are the statutes and judgments which the Lord your God has commanded to teach you. So God is teaching man that you may observe them in the land which you are crossing over to possess. That's exactly what Pastor Chip was talking about. That you may fear the Lord your God to keep all his statutes and his commandments which I command you so you and your son And your grandson, God is generational. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Whatever you mom and dad are doing today is not just for your children. It's for your children's children. We read about, and I'm not going to go into it, bloodlines and all these things and curses from the fourth and fifth generation. Yeah, we can stop it right here through this. When you obey and you do the blessing that you carry will go on your children and on their children. So every time, Father, when the enemy comes with pornography and you shut that off, you're protecting your sons to not walk in that trash. Every time you come against anything that the enemy wants to bring, that your parents, you're stopping it for your children and their children. So God says here, you obey this law so that you, your children, and your grandchildren, three generations will go well if you obey this. Therefore hear, verse 3, Therefore hear, O Israel, and be careful to observe it, that it may be well with you, and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord your God has promised your fathers. And then you will go to a land which is flowing with milk and honey. O hear, O Israel, the Lord God is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. What does Jesus say in Luke 6.45 when he's speaking to the people and they're uttering stuff out of their mouths? Jesus says, Luke 6.45, out of the abundance of your heart, the mouth speaks. So what's amazing is when you meet somebody new, just give them two minutes and you'll exactly pinpoint where they are spiritually by the words that are coming out of their mouth or what they're believing for. Just listen. Because out of the abundance... The heart speaks. So God the Father says, he says, you must check your heart. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart. How do you get that stuff in there? How do you get all that God is telling you in the heart? He goes on here, verse 6. These words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. It's one thing teaching your child. It's one thing teaching them with diligence. Instead of just correcting, that's wrong, we don't do that. With diligence, you explain and you show and you reveal and do it one more time. You diligently teach the children. God says you teach with diligence. He says diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house. When you Walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up, 
You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. So it shall be when the Lord your God brings you into the land of which he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you a large and beautiful city which you did not build, houses filled with things that you didn't make, olive trees that you didn't plant, all of this. Do not forget the Lord. But you see what happens. God is saying, he puts it in the law. And get this, this is important. He says, fathers, parents, you train your children. When you sit down, you speak to them about God. When you lie down, you speak to them about God. When you come into your house, there's on the doorpost of the house, there's names of God and who he is and what he has done. You bind it on the hair of, you put it on the front, you put it on your clothes. It's everywhere with your children. Why? So that their neurological pathways are absolutely filled with God and nothing else. So that there cannot be any double-mindedness when it comes to the ways of the world. So everything you do when they are young, you make sure in their mind there is no other place for anything but God. I haven't spoken since the shooting in Florida and 17 kids were murdered. But all these things that are happening, listen to me. This is, it's not me. It's not, it, this is proven. This is, if you sit and watch murder and video games and TV shows and horror stuff and your mind gets neurological pathway after pathway after pathway after pathway of blood and gore and guts, that's all you know and that is who you become. God bless President Trump, whether you like him or hate him, for now calling video gaming people to the White House to speak to them about what the video games are doing to people. This is why God says, when your children rise up in the morning, you talk about God. When they go to sleep at night, you talk about God. When you're on your way traveling, you talk about God. What's in their minds? What is their neurological pathway? God, 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 God. That may sound so boring, but I promise you, I, when sickness and disease knocks on your door, and you know that you know that by his stripes I was healed, I do not care what the doctor says. My neurological pathway has no place for double-mindedness. His stripes has healed me. You go ask these people who dance over here because Jesus did for them what medicine could not. Jesus did for them what the doctor said was impossible. Jesus came through where everything else that man knows could not come through for them. And when your neurological pathway is so filled with that, there cannot be double-mindedness in your life. So I hear what you say, doctor. Thank you very much. But, but God. And that's for everything. And now they go, and Chip spoke about, you go back. They took stones and they put the stones there. Why are the stones there? 
so that you can see. It's a remembrance whenever you see that. And the people say, ah, this is stupid. Why you got 12 stone? Come sit here. Let me tell you a story. To you, it may seem stupid, but let me tell you why those 12 stones are there. Let me explain to you what I witnessed in my life to be able to give a testimony of those 12 stones. Let me tell you why my life works the way it does because of the testimony of what I have done, because of those 12 stones. And when I'm finished and you understand, you will not call that stupid. You will say, wow, I want 12 stones like that in my life. And it's when our neurological pathways are filled with God and nothing else. That the news, the economy, the president, the White House, North Korea, it does not matter. Because Jesus is Lord. And if there's any other way, fear and doom and gloom and the end and all of that, on the other side of the end, it's glorious. How can you frighten me? If the worst should, worst should, worst should happen. When I open my eyes after that, man, imagine that. Glory. If you've been here the last year, please don't shut off when you hear this now. But Romans 12 verse 1 and 2. We're going to look at a word that I haven't looked at in the last year. Romans 12, 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world. This word conformed is a Strong's G4964. Suschamatitsu. It means to conform one's self. In other words, your mind and your character to another's pattern. I'll read that again. This word conform, Paul writes, do not be conformed to the world means to conform yourself. In other words, your mind and your character to another's pattern. To fashions oneself according to another. Don't be conformed. Don't fashion yourself according to the world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Completely transformational. Because we all grew up in Adam. We all went to the same school of the world. And we all had the pride and the jealousy and the malice and the anger. All of that. But when we followed Christ, pick up our cross, denied ourselves, that stopped. And that should not be there anymore. Now our spirits are just like his. And when we renew our minds to who we are, we can walk that out. Because if we go back to Deuteronomy 6, remember God said, you put this in your heart. Do you know what heart means in the Old Testament? Hear this. Heart is the Hebrew word 3824. Lebab, which means your inner man, your mind, your soul, your understanding. So he says, put this in your heart. We think blood pump. He's saying, hear this, these laws, tell them to your kids, tell them to them. When you're sitting down, when you put this in their heart, it means in their mind, it means in their soul, and it means in their understanding. That's what he's saying when he mentions heart. And when these laws are in your mind, 
and in your understanding, there won't be any different way to do things because that's all you know. You can only do what you know to do. How can you do anything else if you don't know it? So if your mind and understanding is filled with God, because every time you walk into the house, Manny's names are posted on the door, and you enter and you say, I'm blessed as I entered my house because the Lord is Lord of this house. And when you leave, I'm blessed as I leave because God is with me when I go. If that's all you have, there's no place for anything else there. That's what heart means in the Old Covenant. That's why Proverbs 4, when it says, above all, guard your heart. You know what that word heart is? Your soul. Guard your soul, guard your will, thoughts, emotions, anything you look at, anything you listen to, anything you speak. Guard your soul against that because out of your soul comes the issues of your life. Don't allow the trash in there because trash in, trash out. You can take that a step further. Trash in, trash rots. Doesn't go out. It just rots in there. So that's what heart means in the Old Covenant. Um, Matthew chapter 11 will end here, I believe. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 to 30. And we can all quote this by now. We know this so well. And this is Jesus speaking. And Jesus says in Matthew 11, he says, Come to me. All who labor and are heavy laden. Don't raise your hand, but are you sitting here and you can say in your heart, man, gee, things are just not working. I, there's, there are things in my life, it's just difficult. Things are not going well. It's, it's a kids, it's a family, it's a spouse, it's this, it's that, it's the finances, life, it's heavy laden. Jesus says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I, will give you rest. Remember that path? The foolishness of man twists his path. So Jesus says, if you're on that path and you're heavy laden, come to me. Because I know your path. I will put you back on the path and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Now when we hear yoke, it's just not a nice picture. Because the anointing breaks the yoke. We know that a yoke is put on oxen to pull something hard. So this yoke in our minds is something difficult. It's not a nice word. But when Jesus says, you know what? I have handmade a yoke just for you. And nobody else can wear this yoke because it's specifically made for you. Don't you think that's going to fit so good? It's like when you go to the shop and you buy a pair of jeans because this is how long your legs are and this is how long your waist is and you put them on and everyone can wear that jean. But then you go to someone and they measure you and they see exactly what your fittings are and they make that pair of pants just for you. And no one else has a pair of pants like that because they were made just according to your body. They fit you. That's what Jesus says. I have a yoke and it's made just for you. So that whatever you carry is going to be easy. Filled with grace. And you're going to pull it like you don't even know you're pulling something behind you. Who would not want a yoke like that? 
Do you know what this word yoke is? I've done this before, nothing new. But in the Greek, it's 2218 zugas, which means it's a yoke that is put on cattle. It's a metaphor used for a burden or bondage. But that word also means a balance. It also means a pair of scales. Scales as in measurement. So Jesus says, if life is hard, if life is not working, if you are burnt out and you're just trying and trying and you're doing everything you can to just do this Christian thing and you're biting the lip and come to me. Come to me, my child, because I have a yoke for you. And that yoke is specifically made for you, but that yoke is a balance. So when you come to me and I give you something to do, I will take one half and you just take the other half. And together, we, when we labor with the Lord, we will not be out of balance and carrying something that is heaven, uh, sorry, heaven heavy, because it's going to fit perfectly and it's going to be so easy to carry. That's what that word yoke means. A pair of balanced scales. Who would not want to walk side by side next to Jesus and just look over there and he carrying exactly what you got, saying to you, we got this. Who would not want that? Yet we twist our path we twist our way. We think, that looks, I don't know. Jesus all the time is saying, man, if, you, if you're laboring, if you bogged down with weight, I didn't tell you to carry that. Come to me and let's change the scales. Let's change them. Let's make them even so that it's going to be easy for you to pull whatever I've told you and created for you to pull. I remember once in Taiwan, early in the morning, going to gym. And every gym in the world, I believe, I haven't been to every gym. But somewhere in the gym, it says, please replace the weights when you have finished. Use them. So it's early in the morning. I grab two weights and I start doing arms. And I, I feel them. Oh, my, my left arm is really, this is, and something is wrong here. This is not. And the enemy immediately comes and says, you see, you think you healed. You see, blah, 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 blah. And after all, I put the weights back, and the one was like 40 pounds, and the other one 60. And I had the 60 pound in my left hand. No wonder it was not working that well, and my right hand was just going. And Jesus said, hey, come here. Let's balance those out. And now, oh, this is easier. I am healed. This is amazing. If you are here right now, and you're saying, rifle, not even to me, Holy Spirit, I am carrying a yoke that I should not carry. I am bearing a weight that you did not tell me to bear. And I have foolishly twisted my way. But I want to come to you now to get your weight and to get your scales and to get your yoke. Please stand up where you are right now.
It's such an amazing privilege to be able to come and just what the Bible says, repent. Change the way you think about certain things. Change the way you're doing things. Change your mind. Get rid of double-mindedness. And we are standing now coming to Jesus saying, hey, take this yoke of mine and give me the one you have for me. Because this one I'm pulling is out of balance, out of whack. It's not working and I am bogged down. I'm carrying something. There's a load on my shoulders that you did not tell me to bear. I come in humbleness now to you and I give you this yoke. And I ask you graciously to give me the yoke that you have preordained for me to put upon my back and carry. Whatever it is that you're battling with, just between you and him, just give it to him now. Just tell him, I give it, whatever it is, he knows, you know, just quietly give it to him. Tell him, when I walk out of this place, I'm free, I'm light, I'm balanced with you. I'm not going to bear this burden and this yoke. Your yoke may be family, your yoke may be health, your yoke may be financial, your yoke may be your job, your yoke may be your mind, your yoke may be watching stuff you shouldn't. If there's something that you are bogged down with, give it to him now and say, no more, no more, I'm done. And now in your mind's eye, just see him placing a new yoke. On your neck. And as he puts that on your neck, you can just smile because it's fitting perfectly. It feels so good. This is not a yoke. This is a pleasure. I can do this. And Jesus says, yes, because I'll walk next to you and it's balanced. So just receive from him the yoke that he has which makes life easy because now we're back on our path. And now all grace is able to abound toward us so we can walk into the greater and better and bigger things that he has for us. So now if you've laid down that yoke and you've received him and his yoke, just thank him where you are and just thank him for absolutely removing the burden that you were carrying and you carry it no more. Right now there is no burden. It's an easy yoke. It's light and it's fashioned just for you. Just thank Him because He's taken that old yoke away and thrown it as far as the east is from the west. And He's given you a new one which is so easy to carry. So Holy Spirit, we come now and we just receive the yoke that you have for us, and we thank you for that, because it is easy, it is light, your word says. Thank you that we are balanced as we labor with you, together as co-laborers with Christ. Thank you for the path that you have made, the way that you have created for us, with every bit of grace that we need for everything in our life. Spirit, soul, body physically, financially, emotionally, in every way. We receive that. We choose to walk in that. And we decree that we will not take up the yoke of bondage again.
I will not pick that up again. I am now single-minded on the grace and the path that God has for me. And if you don't know what it is, spend time with Him. He wants you to know more than you want to know because He's made that way available. So we just come now, Father. We bless you. We love you. We thank you. It's so good to feel free. It's so good to be so light with nothing on our shoulders but your joy and your peace. Thank you for your goodness. You are so good. So good. So good. If the prayer ministers could come to the front, please. If, if you want prayer, you want someone to stand with you, pray with you, you have any issues, There will be prayer ministers in front who would love to spend time with you, praying with you. God bless all of you. Remember when you leave, you have given away the yoke of bondage. And you have taken upon yourself His yoke, which is easy and light in Jesus' name. God bless. Go and be free.